Today's Ringer NBA show heat check is brought to you by the Google Assistant. With the Google Assistant, you can complete over a million actions on your phone, in your car, and around the house. Do you ever forget where you parked at a game? I do. You're walking around the stadium after the game, and you can't, for the life of you, remember where your car is. Well, check this out. Hey, Google, remember I parked in lot B, row 5. Okay, I'll remember you parked in lot B, row 5. I'll also save a map of your current location. Download the Google Assistant today. Welcome to the Heat Check Podcast. I'm your host, John Gonzalez. Normally, I am in LA. I haven't been in LA for a little while. Iceman is still back in LA. I was in Philadelphia. I did not return home. Instead, I took the train down to DC to do a piece on the Wizards who are inexplicably still alive. You can read that piece on TheRinger.com right now. You can also check out all of our other weekend playoff NBA coverage. Paolo has a piece up there right now about the incredible Pelican sweep, which is just very disconcerting to me as a uh, quasi-Blazers backer, but we're going to get into that a little bit later. And we've got a ton of NBA show stuff coming up for you every day this week during the playoffs. You're going to want to check out all of our great, awesome NBA show podcasts. And normally, as you guys know, listeners to the Heat Check know that this is a rotating podcast, right? We have a rotating crew that comes through, normally a lot of your favorite ringer personalities. But because I'm in D.C., who else would we have on? We're going to do this one time only and just do it with one guest. But he's an amazing guest, and I'm sitting right next to him right now. He's holding up a D.C. family rally channel, would you family. call it? Family! It's Joe House! D.C. family! Welcome to the East Coast! Coast, Wangan, I know you're an East Coaster by blood and by nature and by DNA, <laughs> but while everybody that goes out to that left coast comes back a little confused, so I'm glad that you are here for an extended run. You have consumed, you have witnessed some outstanding basketball, both in your own hometown of Philadelphia, and now down here in the D to the M to the V, my friend. So you and I both just got back from Game 4 of the Wizards-Raptors series, I was anticipating that this was a wrap. That the Raptors came out in the game, they went up early, they were playing very well, Uh, Bradley Beal got in early foul trouble, ended up fouling out, they were down 11 at the half, it didn't make any sense to me, the Wizards' season hasn't made any sense to me, guess what, they won! I had, they won, they tied the series, they're going back 2-2. This is what happens. You used the word at the, the outside of this program today, inexplicably, mm-hmm. the Wizards have, have tied up this series. The series continues. There will be a game six in this series, which I'm very excited about because it means that I get to head over to the, it's called Capital One. I got to come up with a name for you Capital don't like, One You don't Center. like Capital I don't. One because it was Verizon Verizon before. gave up a nice VZ Center, right? Let's get to the VZ. Let's go take it easy at the VZ. I got to work on <laughs> Cap One. Maybe some of our friends out there can, can hype us a little bit with a Cap One attitude. I'm not there yet. But this is precisely the theme of this almost bullet season, right? Mm-hmm. Inexplicable. And I will not bore all of our fabulous friends listening to this with a complete recitation of how weird the season has been here in Washington. No, we have to get into it. I wrote about it. I wrote about 3,000 words about the Wizards and how crazy their season has been. Because at any point during the season, you you could have said you could have looked up and been like, "Well, that's the end for the Wizards." Like there were so many different flashpoints for them, where you thought that that was going to be the thing that broke their back. Um, you know, Wall went down; he was out for two months, and then they had Sadoransky in there, who you liked quite a bit, and that led to the everybody eats calamity, where they uh, Wall thought that Beal and Gortat were throwing shade at him, and then they had to walk that back. And then he came back, and they weren't playing well, and the Raptors went up 2-0, and you thought that was going to be the end. And then the beginning of the game that you and I, as we record this tonight on a Sunday night for the Monday listeners, they looked again that they were going to be done. And once again, they get up off the mat. Yes. What I say to you, Wangan. Yes. And yet, here we are. I believe on this very podcast, I observe to you that with the talent that this team has assembled and the slightly improved bench. And by slightly improved, I mean they went from a historically bad bench 
for the 2016-2017 season into a bench that is is passable with some real young talent sort of, you know, coming up, which we're going to get to this very curious rotation that Scotty Brooks has has come across with, with the inclusion of Ty Lawson. But this iteration of the Almost Bullets, as they are presently configured in this Eastern Conference 2017-2018, I said to you, I'm not afraid of anybody. And here we are. It's the one seed against the eight seed. And everybody with their own two eyes can watch the last two games and, and reach only one conclusion, which is that Washington is every bit as good as the Toronto Raptors. They might be. I don't know. I How tweet. can you say they're I don't not? Know. I don't know. Right? No, I mean, they're tied 2-2 right now. And I think like during the game, I tweeted this out during game four. We've had an entire season to look at the Washington Wizards plus half of a first-round playoff series. And I still have no idea if they're any good. I have no idea if they're bad, if they're good, what they are in between. They might be as good as the number one seed in in the Eastern Conference, but it doesn't make any sense to me because they limped into the playoffs. They looked terrible down the stretch. The only reason that they made the playoffs is because the Detroit Pistons were in the nine seed, and they they, they gave up months ago. They, they quit on Stan Van Gundy months ago, so... That helped them a little bit. But did you actually feel good about the Wizards going into the playoffs? Even you, even Joe House, who likes to obfuscate and like pretend that the Wizards How dare you? likes to pretend that the Wizards are maybe better than they are. Like you couldn't have felt good at the end of the regular season. Well, the only thing that I felt bad about that I was disappointed by was not limping into the playoffs and facing the Boston Celtics in the first round, which I thought was our very best chance of advancing and mainly on just the sheer, you know, the the injury opportunity that Boston represents. I mean, still with all the injuries, we're getting incredible performances out of them. You expect nothing less. I mean, Brad Stevens should win coach of the year for the next five years for the job that he's done and the overperformance. I mean, Jalen Brown today, Lord have mercy. That Boston team is just relentless. And still that's the team that I prefer the Washington Bullets who have confronted in the first round of these these playoffs this year. But I certainly am not afraid of Toronto. And we certainly have seen in this fourth quarter, it was nut-crunching time, Wangan, <laughs> my brother. And we saw some of those old tropes, some of those old familiar themes that people have characterized uh, with the Toronto approach of, of saying the ball stops moving or... There's a hot potato. Who's going to take the shot? Now, I have to give it up. DeMar DeRozan is a monster. He's good. That is a, he, he plays like, He's really good. like a man. But the shot selection for them inside of the last five minutes, I'd love to go back and look at the game cast and just sort of look at where on the floor they took their shots from because it was it, they got away from the sort of successful paradigm that they've been using earlier, felt like to me. But this was another reason why I didn't expect the Wizards to win this game, because early on, in addition to being down 11 at the half, they were also settling for way too many long twos. They they weren't hardly shooting threes at all. They were taking way too many long twos. Welcome the, to the Scotty the Brooks rotations, era. Welcome to the Scotty Brooks era. As you mentioned, were very strange. So you are, you and I have talked about this on the Heat Check podcast several times. You were a Sadoransky lover. Still and, I am. Are, excuse me, I didn't make, mean to make it past tense. I, I apologize for that. But they go and they get Ty Lawson from China. He was playing for Shandong in China. And I we were talking to him the other day when I got to town. And in game two, Scotty Brooks gave him like 30 minutes, right? And and he played him early too. It was like eight minutes into game two where he called Ty Lawson's number. And Ty Lawson told the story where he was like, I was sitting on the bench and I heard him say my name. And I was like, wait, Who? And he even Ty Lawson could not believe that he just got off the plane from China and is now a part of the Washington Wizards and apparently an integral part. Well, that's befuddling. Yeah. I hadn't heard that story. Thank you for sharing You're it. You're welcome. It it further I tell stories for a living. It's further disquieting. It further sabotages my my confidence, what little confidence I had left in Scotty Brooks. And the problem with this iteration of the almost bullets is that the the head coach seems to be an impediment in much the same way that the head coach was an impediment in the previous iteration. Well, but so he said uh, in between Canada, I guess like between when they left Canada and got to the States, like maybe while they were going through customs or something, they had a a meeting between uh, Scott Brooks and John Wall and Brad Beal. And Brad Beal was basically like, you know, I'm not getting enough good shots. And I guess he says that Scott Brooks apologized to him for not finding him enough good looks. 
And then afterwards, uh, Scott Brooks said, well, I don't, I don't know if apologize would be the right word, but whatever happened in that meeting and whatever was said and whatever they decided, all of a sudden, Bradley Beal in the next two games has gotten a lot of good shots. Yes, he fouled out, but he looks like the guy that you saw as an all-star rather than the guy you saw in the first two games. I'm never going to make a joke about any of my guys going up to Canada and coming back looking rejuvenated because that's not how I roll. That's not what you do. That's not with my guys. I'll make that joke about everybody else. But look, he looked exhausted in the first two games. I didn't think the issue was the quality of the shots. I thought it was the quality of his legs. He looked like he was playing flat-footed. He front-rimmed quite a bit of those shots. The last two games, maybe he came back and got in Gilbert Arenas' hyperbaric chamber and has been getting the, you know, the sleep and the ice and all the rest of it because his lift is terrific. Yeah, he looks he looks really good. They looked as good in games three and four as they looked bad in games one and two. And yet another reason that I didn't think that this was going to happen, that I thought that they were finished when they came back. And we talked about this. We went to dinner when I got to town. We did, we did. Went to a fun dinner where we ate way too... I had heard about your prodigious eating ability. uh, And it was like, you're a marathon eater, and I wasn't quite ready for it. And we had so many things on the table that literally, I think it was a manager stopped by our table and asked if we needed another table for all of our food. The answer, of course, was yes. Yes, so they brought out more food. But while we were talking about this, I asked you about the picture from Game 2 that everybody was famously talking about where Wall and Gortat looked like they were arguing and Bradley Beal had his head in his hands. And I'm like, that's the Wizards. (laughs) And you said... They don't really need to like each other to play well. They they haven't really liked each other, and like they're just coworkers. And you can sometimes not get along with your coworkers and still perform well at work. And uh, reminder, not us, other people. Well, <laughs> we like each right, other. Here we are. But, you know, groundbreaking revelation: winning cures a lot of ills. Right? <laughs> yes. I mean, all of a sudden, the guy, everybody's got dap for each other, and there's hugs, and you know, they're looking out for each other. They are kind of schizophrenic in that way, and that like they could be one moment yelling at each other on Twitter or in person or sitting on the sideline, like looking like they're bickering, and then they win that game, game three, and Wall and Beal did the press conference together. And they were like super chummy. Right. And they were laughing about how Gortat had shaved off his mohawk. And it was like all good. Beloved. Two seconds ago, you guys were like, you look like you were going to knife each other. And now all of a sudden you're hugging each other. Well, this is the beauty of the kind of moment that we're in with the league where every single thing is dissected ad nauseum. And so each of these instances that occurs uh, over the course of an NBA season. And, you know, you, you think about that NBA season as kind of a workspace. I like that metaphor, right? And and think about all of the miles that they log, all the time they spend with each other. And it's an intense working relationship. So there's going to be disagreements. There's going to be, you know, um, misperceptions and indignations and, you know, uh, disappointments along the way. But at the end of the day, the wonderful thing about this game is that galvanizing effect. And we have seen this here in Washington. The same thing was true in 2015 when the almost bullets swept the Toronto Raptors. The same limping into the playoffs kind of theme applied. And Randy Whitman was under the microscope in terms of both his coaching ability, but also his longevity here in Washington. And Paul Pierce and and the almost bullets went in and kicked ass. Okay, so this is such a weird thing about Washington because I I feel like, and tell me if I'm wrong here because I've talked to other Washingtonians while I've been here in D.C. about their feeling on the Wizards. And I was told like they kind of fall like third on the pecking order, right? It's going to be football and the baseball team. And then like you could toss in the caps and the Wizards together. And people like kind of have these low bar expectations for them. But then all of a sudden they they tie the series at 2-2 and like everybody's back on board. Pretty good crowd tonight, right? It was a right game three good crowd. NBA people crowd. were kind of like, meh, they won big, we're gonna go home. Game four, great NBA crowd. Again, to the schizophrenia. I, I don't think anybody here in this town, forget about just like those of us from outside watching as NBA observers. I think even in this town, nobody knows what to make of them. Well, here's the thing. You have to remember, it can be a very, very quick history lesson Please. on the Almost Bullets and where they reside in the pecking order here in Washington. Washington is a deep basketball town, deep hoop heads strong basketball tradition, high schools that are nationally renowned every single year in the top 10 of the nation's best high school programs in the country. The uh, Many of the teams here are in yeah, there. Sure. And, you know, the, the roster of players that have come out of the DMV is, is varied and deep and accomplished. And I don't need to run through the whole thing. The people in this 
area, no hoops, they love hoops. The problem is you're talking about a franchise that has not won 50 games in 40 years. 40 years. 40 years. It's insane how long it's been since they've like really done anything. And in the Ernie Grunfeld era, they've never made it to, I mean, conference finals. Forget about it. The best they did was last year when they were down 0-2 against the Celtics, which is also fu- something funny because people around here kept asking them about it and kept saying, hey, do you think you could stage another comeback like you did last year? And I'm like, are you guys talking about when they lost in seven games? Like, yeah, they were down 0-2. They still lost the series. But that, that passed for like a really great outcome. Like people were excited about maybe they could do that again. And I'm like, well, maybe they could lose in game seven. This is crazy. I don't know. I, I think like the way that people react to the Wizards here is very curious, but they're tied 2-2. That's it. It's they're a, still alive. It's a, it's a three-game series, and I like our odds just as much as, as before the whole series they're started. St- they're, they're tied 2-2. They're There's still no alive. There's no reason they can't win. We, we're going to move on from the Wizards because that's probably the most Wizards talk we've done on the Heat Check podcast all year, and I think we're good now. Also tied 2-2 now is the Celtics and Bucks series. Celtics won the first two, Bucks won the second two. Celtics came back from down 20 but couldn't pull it off. Did you see they had a last second shot uh with like 5 seconds left where um Marcus Morris was supposed to kick out the ball for an open 3 to Terry Rozier, but instead he took a baseline jumper for two and he missed and Brad Stevens said the reason why was cuz uh Brogdon jumped out and switched and Morris read it right and he, and Stevens and this is a quote from Stevens, I felt really good about that shot with five seconds left in the game, you know who did not feel good about it? The Simmons family. Oh. Uh, Boss man Bill tweeted out a text message screenshot from Dr. Bill, and Dr. Bill said, I didn't feel good about it, Brad, which I thought was pretty great. But did, you did mention the Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum being monsters. Shouts to the J team. Yeah. They combined for 55 points. Those two guys, they, they have a bright future, but it's been a fun series. I have to, speaking of the boss man, Bill Simmons, he's mm-hmm. I don't know how he's going to feel about me sharing this anecdote because it was in a, oh, pri- share it. In a private communication. <laughs> but he Betray his trust for the he, listeners, please. As is our want, as is our inclination. We often compare notes as these games come together and we sort of observe trend lines and see things. We're looking for an advantage, perhaps, in in the wagering halls. We are thinking about, you know, particular angles that we might play that might favor a strategy that where we might try and make a dollar or two with some speculation. Looking for a little return on investment. And one of the themes that came up after the Celtics beat the the Bucks ass pretty good the first two games was, I mean, I know that they went in overtime, uh, but it took a miracle from Middleton. Who on Milwaukee can score other than the freak? Who on Milwaukee can score? Well, Middleton. I mean, Jabari played better defense today, but he hasn't been much of a factor before today's game. But if you're talking about just scoring, yeah, it's it's Giannis, and you've got Middleton, and then you cross your fingers. Well, I mean, Bledsoe. Bledsoe's fine in theory. Terry Rozier's been eating his lunch. Right. But I watched today's game with kind of one eye. I was at a family gathering of sorts, mm-hmm. um, so I wasn't able to see how the Bucks put the Celts in the hole so quickly. My understanding was, this is the thing um, that's interesting and the the sort of rebuttal for for Brother Bill, who on the Celtics is going to score? I mean, you have, you you need this extraordinary performance by somebody other than Tatum. Brown and Tatum killed it today. Yes. So I thought this was like sort of an interesting, an interesting stat. They, They combined for 55 points, which was the second most points combined for in a playoff game by teammates who are 22 or younger. That's pretty good. Yeah, KD and Russ hold the record at 56 from 2010. So those guys, like I said, I mean, for a future, but how are, you, how are you parlaying this into your gambling future? That uh, particular angle has already been quashed. They're, they're, all those bets were lost. So That's we, it. we've already moved on. Okay. Yeah, because how's, the, how's your gambling going so far this year for the playoffs? Well, I um, have been tried to be careful because I took a beating on the over-unders, the season-long over-unders. We were very, we had, we, we didn't expect uh, Joel Embiid to play a whole lot of basketball this yeah. season. He played a ton Oops. of basketball. Yeah, he, and, 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 he's, and you know what, he's good. We're going to get into that, he's too. He's good. And I, I've been very much enjoying, that's a bet, uh, although it hurts, I'm kind of happy we lost it. Because it's such a good story. It's worth losing the money for the great story and for the incredible basketball. Yeah, it's been, well, Giannis is playing some incredible basketball, too, for the Bucks, And, like, that's how... They've ended up tying it. I mean, he he absolutely murdered them in game three. He murdered them in game four. He had 27 points in game four, seven and five. He also dunked 
Al Horford, I think, out of the league. It was and, wonderful. And I want to just say, I, re- I regret to inform Al's family that he's no longer with us. And condolences to KOC, who's probably curled up in the fetal position right now crying. Uh, KOC has a really, like, I like Al Horford fine. Yeah. Like, Al Horford, if Al Horford's your third guy, right. you're doing fine. You're yeah. doing good. It still hurts that he's not here in Washington. Uh, that's a big one that screwed you because you ended up with Jan Mahenmi. Yeah, and that that's like, you know... Uh, Going from a, a a Cadillac to a Yugo. I mean, I don't. I can't even come up. That's like going from. Well, I don't. I'm, I can't use food because there's no food that tastes bad. The only food that tastes bad to me. That's like going from a delicious uh, uh, lobster dinner to yellow squash, boiled yellow squash. That's that's the most disgusting <laughs> food I can come boiled. up with. Yeah. Well, my that's mom where used, you draw the line. My mom used to make it, and it was just inedible. Hungry enough, handle. I feel like you would end up eating it anyway. Um, where do you think? I mean, how do you? Where do you see the series going, Celtics and Bucks? Because it's tied 2-2. And like you said, the young guys for the Celtics are absolutely fantastic. Al Horford no longer with us. He can't play any more basketball because he's done. Giannis ended him. Um, Giannis is the best player on the floor. Right, right. That's an old playoff rule. The Celtics' advantage coaches, advantage depth, advantage the series being on their floor for more games. That's right. But the best player in the series plays for the Bucs, and he has somehow overcome Joe Prunty being his head coach and won two games for them. I think the Celtics are going to win, and I think they might win the next two games. I, I think it's going to be a 4-2 series. I do, too. I think we're headed for uh, Sixers-Celtics. going to be pretty good. Yeah, could be fun. Uh, Warriors and Spurs, it was 3-0. The Spurs won a game. I'm sad for Pop. Yeah, I like, think this is like, you know— a nod to Pop and then to that whole, the, the situation. And they all came, ro- rose up for this one moment, a tip of the cap, you know, a testament to the power of that family. Condolences and, to that family. Condolences yeah. to Pop. It's a horrible and, thing. And, you know, Ginobili. He, he, he did it, right? Ginobili, Ginobili did some, some good stuff. Man who hit some crazy shots. LaMarcus Aldridge late in the game, in game four, to hit this ridiculous turnaround bank shot three to, like, put them ahead. The Warriors only shot 25% from three. Clay didn't do well. All that happened is they ruined a bunch of bettors who bet the Warriors in a sweep. sweep. And also reporters. What happened? I wasn't one of them, by the way. You didn't bet it. You didn't bet that series. I thought about it. I wouldn't bet the sweep. I thought about it. In addition to ruining the gamblers, they also ruined all of the reporters who have to go back to Oakland (sighs) for another game. Like, this is a little secret that I'll let you in on about how the journalism sausage gets made. Some of us have teams that we like to watch or root for, but mostly we root for ourselves. <laughs> so, like, if if I bet some of those San Antonio writers were rooting for a sweep, like oh, secretly wait, 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 wait. in there, secretly deep down, they were thinking to themselves, if they lose, it's vacation time. I, I, now let's let's pursue this just a bit further, though. Go ahead, tell because me. if you if you live in in San Antonio and you have the opportunity to fly to San Francisco, and your employers are paying for you to fly, fly to San Francisco, and you're getting per diem. To enjoy What do you the think finest. the per diem is? I mean, dude, we're, they, go, go we're down writers. To, we're not sitting out for, Go I mean, down like, to the mission and get a burrito. <laughs> well, I mean, one enough. of the best places on the planet to get a burrito. Fair enough. I'm going to guess you can get a burrito in San Antonio, though. I mean, I... It's you can like, probably like get a good could, burrito in San Antonio. But yeah. I'm saying, like, like, I hear what you're saying. In theory, you'd be like... Of course, why wouldn't you want to go to the Bay Area and like spend some more time? Writers don't think about it that way. They think, ah, god damn it, I gotta write I more work. stories. I gotta get on a plane. Who knows what time I'm getting up? Right, I gotta work. It's gotta like work. Okay. So the series continues for the wars. And you know what? I'm happy. I'm happy for Shea though. Shea's yeah. still in it. Right. Shouts to Shea Serrano. It would have been a rough weekend for him if they got stopped because he also had to go to Dallas to promote something because he's super popular. So he got a win. The Spurs are still alive. I mean, he's the ringer MVP. He's the ringer MVP. Like, are you know. kidding me? He's amazing. Although I would like to say to Shea, when when the Spurs do finally get ultimately bounced out, he is welcome to join the Sixers bandwagon. Because the Sixers, my friend, <laughs> have you watched the 10-9-8-76 ers Holy shit, are they good. Uh, they pulled out yet another win against the uh, Heat. They've won 19 of their last 20, House. Simmons triple-doubled. They had 26 or 27 turnovers. The box score got changed. And they still won. Brett Brown said, like, there was basically no way that they should have won. Consider it's, he called it unheard of to win with that volume of turnovers because they just, like, kept coughing the ball up. They had a horrible first half. And they won on the road anyway, commanding 3-1 lead for the Sixers. Do they have the four best players in the series? I mean, how many of they have the two best players in the series? They have the two best players in the series. Who else are you throwing in there? Dwayne Waits had a good series. Bellinelli. 
Bellinelli's been amazing. He's I mean, hit some circus shots. Yeah. And you throw an Ursan in there too, or JJ. Or, or JJ. You, I mean, or, you know, you can you can just take a sixer, put a sixer uniform in there, and you know, put a shooter face on, on it and just call it the fourth best player. JJ's got the freshest haircut, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> My man Michael Bauman from the hmm. uh Ringer MLB show did not like his haircut. I personally think it looks it quite crash. dapper. He can looks, get away with it. He looks very dapper. He got twenty three million bucks to go to the Sixers and play on a team that's probably going to the finals. I just said it. I I don't I'm not afraid to say All it. All right, can I can I slow you down a little bit? Because I, I gotta this is something we're gonna have to pause here. He's a Philly guy. People in Philadelphia are very excited about the Sixers with right now. With good reason. Okay. They think, as you mentioned, two best players in the series. The East is wide open. This could be a year where they actually go and do something significant, right? And, like, I don't want to jinx it, but we're all talking about it in Philadelphia. What we are not excited about is the you and Simmons what? and Cousin Sal what are you talking about? jinxing what are we with do? you guys getting on board. I want to know when this happened. Like, Seven first to one all, odds. It was delicious. All, Simmons sent out a, a couple of tweets after the game where he said, uh, Philly's going to win the East if they stay healthy. And he said the Sixers are like the 86 Rockets or the 95 Magic. When it's time, it's time. Talent trumps everything. Plus, on top of that, you and Simmons and Cousin Sal bet on them. That's all true. I don't like any of this. Well, This I, is like triple mush. Look, Bill Simmons said it, and, and he knows some things about basketball. Talent trumps everything. They have the best team. They have the most poison. Can it trump team. the three of you though? Is what I want to know because I don't. I, like you get, you're getting your chocolate all up all up in our peanut butter, that's, and I don't like it. That's the biggest hurdle. Let there be no doubt that our our triple mush is the triple mush is in effect now. I mean, especially on this season. Do Boy, you, I'm bad. not even lying to you. I have got been contacted by quite a few Sixers and Philadelphia fans. Begging me to beg you guys to just pick anybody else. Tell them to pay. Uh, yeah, you can buy my you piece. Can. You want to buy my piece? I'll sell it to you at five to one. You can have my piece the mush at is five for sale. to one. Yeah, of course. I got. I'm in at seven to one. If you want to buy, if you want to pay me off five times what I went in on, great. Let's do it. It's, Let's make a deal, Philly. It really is amazing though that like the Sixers went from at the beginning of the year where. People were like, "How many games can Embiid play?" Yeah, I was one of those people. And like, isn't it too soon? They're gonna have to figure out how to play together. There was the whole faults thing that was super strange. It kind of remains strange. Still strange. Can't Nobody, wait for that. People were questioning whether or not Brett Brown could coach and all this stuff, right? That's and now all of a question. sudden, they've—he's an excellent coach. And now all of a sudden, they've won <laughs> 19 of 20, and they're everybody's favorites. And you've got Embiid, the masked man, just crushing people. It's fascinating that it's happened this quickly. The real thing that I think the Sixers deserve credit for is the midseason, like recognizing what they had with these kids and then surrounding them with uh, Ilyasova. Just a bunch of shooters. Not not just that, but guys who have some some miles. Like oh, you guys like the who've been around angle. the block. I do like the veteran angle. And they've it's they've fun. been they've been a calming influence, right? There have the, the both of those heat games, the last two heat games were Winnable, Miami. They were. Miami had them on the ropes. They did. By Miami should have won Game Four. That, I should have won Game Four. There's no doubt about it. Right. And, and they coughed it up. And like I, that's a weird team too. I mean, like it is when Dwayne team. Wade has been the best player in the series for them, and Hassan Whiteside has been basically a non-factor. Like, yeah, he played more minutes in Game Four, and he had a double double, but it was like an empty double double. And he's their max money guy. I wrote about this for the Ringer last week. They gave him max money. They could barely get them on the floor in the first three games. They're so weird. It's a weird team. I didn't watch enough of them. I thought they were pretty tough and pretty mentally tough. And I like um, Spo. I think he's a good coach. Yeah, he is. And I thought he made some some adjustments as the year went on that had them poised to go do damage. And I thought the the narrative for the series was going to be the Sixers are a great story. These kids are coming into their own. It's going to be fun to watch, but the Heat are going to win this series because they're— Oh, you picked the Heat to win the series? I did, yeah. I mean, they had the maturity. They this have, is what uh, I'm talking about. What? This is what I would like you well, to do. I, I would we like had a you revelation. to just pick against the Sixers the rest of the way. I had a revelation after, you know— I, I don't I, want I you had, to have any more I revelations. I had an idea about what was going to happen, and then it turned out to be wrong because the Heat stink. <laughs> Hassan Whiteside <laughs> doesn't want to play basketball with this group that he's, he's together with. And Goran Dragic is two steps from being dead. So what do you want me to do? You're out on Goran Dragic. You look terrible. <laughs> the Sixers will make you look terrible. That's how good they are. I'm excited about the Sixers. I'm excited about all the other uh, basketball that we're going to talk about. But first, we're going to take a break to talk about our sponsors. 
Today's Ringer NBA show heat check is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Are you hiring, posting your position to job sites and waiting and waiting and waiting for the right people to see it? Well, guess what? ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. House, are you hiring? Always hiring. House is hiring. He's going to use ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter House. It learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply for your job. And then you can come work for House in his wonderful K Street office. No, yeah, look, I need taste testers. I need beer sippers. Coffee getters. I need a golf instructor. I need, I need a support staff is what I'm after, Wong he, he has a lot of needs. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job to ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive so you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerMBA. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerMBA. One more time, ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerMBA. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Heat Check is also brought to you by ADT. Is your home an ADT home? If not, get ADT and help protect against break-ins, fire, and carbon monoxide. For a limited time, get ADT's lowest rate starting at just $28.99 a month from the most trusted name in home security. That's just a dollar a day. ADT is the first security company to help keep you safe at home and when you're on the go with the new ADT Go app. Not to mention, ADT Go also offers a family locator, private messaging, automatic check-ins, and safe driving reports. It even includes an SOS button with 24-7 emergency response. You know who could use that right now? The Miami Heat. Oh! <laughs> and you can get ADT Go with the purchase of any security system. Go to ADT.com slash podcast to take advantage of ADT's lowest rate. I'm not going to be able to go back to Miami. ADT tested, trusted, proven with a 36-month monitoring contract. Early termination and installation fees apply. Excludes taxes and fees. Applies to traditional services only. Certain markets are excluded. Licenses available at ADT.com. And now, back to Heat Check. All right, so in addition to how excited I am about the Sixers, here's how not excited I am about the Blazers getting swept because everybody who listens to the Heat Check podcast knows that our Heat Check loyalists understand that I like the Blazers. I like watching them. I like all things Portland. They were a good team this year. Dame Lillard was in the MVP conversation. They all of a sudden went from not playing defense last year to being a very good defensive team this year. And then out of nowhere, the New Orleans Pelicans sweep them. I don't know about you. I did not see that coming. (laughs) A sweep? I mean, come on. This is part of the thing that's so great about the NBA and the playoffs. And you never know the particular alchemy that a team is arriving in the playoffs with, and then they get into a matchup. And then in the first like game, they can they learn something about themselves and their opponent. And it everything kind of changes. It's the beauty of the seven-game series where a matchup can be, you know, a, a, a very bad kind of head-to-head thing. And it's really not indicative of whether or not a team, you know, whether it's good or not, whether it's objectively a team that had proper ambition for for achieving greater things than wherever they end up, like getting swept in the first round. Like, this wasn't really a referendum on whether or not Portland had a successful season, except for they had um, an unsuccessful season because they got swept in the first round. You you understand what I'm saying? It was a very terrible matchup for them because Anthony Davis reminded everybody, you know, y'all forgot about me. Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday were a revelation. They killed it this entire series. And I think it was really interesting to see how the Pelicans played post-Boogie because I thought, like, once Boogie went down, like, they were, you know, a a middle-of-the-pack covering around 500 team with Boogie, and it looked like they were going to be a playoff team, but who knew what they could actually do once they made to the postseason? And then he goes down, and it again, it looked like the same cast of characters that he's always had around him, which is, like, Drew Holiday and a bunch of shoulder shrugs. Like, guys, you're like, nah, it's not good enough. All of a sudden... The Pelicans figured it out, and it was just absolutely insane. I mean, Davis and Holiday have been fantastic together. They had, what, 88 points 
which tied for the uh, NBA record for the most points ever scored by a duo in a single game to close it out in playoff history. Michael and Scotty never did that. That was one point better than Michael and Scotty. Like, I don't understand how we we missed. Everybody missed this badly on this series. I mean, it really was just like an absolute throttling from beginning to end. The Blazers were never in this. This is the thing. We, we I uh, mentioned it at the discussion on the on the almost bullets and the Raptors. Nobody would have picked the bullets, the the Wizards, to beat the Raptors in, in a sweep, a 4-0 sweep in 2015. It is the unique beast that is the NBA playoffs and these head-to-head matchups. And you don't know what's going on inside a locker room either. Like those, those Pelican guys played with a confidence they expected to beat the Blazers' ass, and and they yeah. did it right. Like there was never a moment where I felt like they they had a waffle or they wondered they were having any kind of misapprehension around what they they just went out and kicked their ass, and it really didn't feel that close. No, it really didn't. Alvin Gentry, like in addition, because like everybody expected that that. Anthony Davis was going to be good, right? He was the best player on the floor. And Drew Holiday played really well. But Alvin Gentry said at the beginning of the season, I laughed about this with Justin Berry and Danny Chow last week. Alvin Gentry said he's a believer in playoff Rondo. I'm like, I'm not. That's ridiculous. Playoff Rondo had 53 assists in four games. Oh, it, he exists. He, he rose Playoff from Rondo the dead. Exists. He might as well be on the on the Walking Dead zombie show. Like, And then out of nowhere, he comes back and, and he starts playing well. Like, If you had said to me, at the beginning of the year that Ron, this is this is going to be it for Ronda. Ronda's washed. I would have bought it. And sure. now all of a sudden, definitely not washed. Because it's the playoffs. The playoff Rondo has arrived. It's just been fascinating to me what the Pelicans have been able to do. This is something that like people sort of kicked around on on Twitter. And your guy Simmons is one of them who, who tweeted out a, a Ewing picture along with this. <laughs> Are they better without Boogie? No, of course not. No, it's an absurd thing to say. What, what it has created, though which is a really interesting thing to me, is perhaps the best opportunity for Drew to be Drew. Like, this is the guy that deserves that mega contract that everybody was scratching their heads about. What do the Pelicans see in this guy? Because he's shown flashes. We know he's a tough SOB. Yeah. So you want to always invest in a young, tough guy. That makes sense. And he can definitely be uh, a prolific scorer. He's a great on-the-ball defender. Yeah. But like $27 million, $26 million, is that, you know, what are we talking? Is this going to be like the Otto Porter kind of deal? But I think Boogie's injury and the the last like you know thirty games of the regular season and into the playoffs have been the very best opportunity for Drew to be Drew. And I also think I'm happy for him because when he left the Sixers, it kind of like jump started the process, and I was happy about that. But I'm glad he's found success in New Orleans. I also think the midseason pickup of Miritich very Miritich. underrated. This team very I'm underrated, very underrated. That this works. Yes. I'm staggered that this works. What chances? I mean, like, so the, it looks like they're they're barreling towards a like unless. The Spurs pull out an nah, all-time on, crazy comeback. It's going to be the Warriors. Maybe they steal a game. Steal a game. That's steal a game. They, they might win too because this Golden State team keeps on. It's a weird matchup. Anthony Davis. They don't have it. I mean, nah. like, I don't know who they guard. Nah. No, I don't. Th- look, the Warriors are going to win that series for yeah. sure. But I'm saying like. That's a weird matchup. It's going to be really fun to watch because this is, we've been asking for for a couple of years now, can we please see Anthony Davis at the height of his powers? Also, and you guys did mention this on your food podcast. New Orleans Bay series for food. <laughs> yeah, that's an, an excellent food pretty podcast. Good. I wish I was. A, see, if I was a beat writer, this would be one. Then I, I would be excited about, about it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Then I'd be excited right. about it. Um, before we move on, the Blazers. So this season for them was a huge success. Right up until it wasn't. Yeah, like right up until the playoffs. That's a great point. So KOC wrote a piece on Friday about blowing up the Blazers. Uh, I, we call him KOC Shadamas around uh, the ringer because he predicted this. He's like, should we even before. They got swept. He was like, hey, should is it time? Neil O'Shea in, in the exit interviews, the GM for the Blazers, was like, where were all these people who, and I'm quoting him now, where were all these people who wanted to see sweeping changes 10 days ago? They were the ones bouncing off the walls 10 days ago when we had the third seed for the first time since 2000. You don't take four games and overreact and take away what you accomplished in 82 games. He said, don't overreact. House, let's overreact. <laughs> should they blow it up? 
I don't know. I mean, I, I really uh, don't have a good answer for this because I think that they just ran into a terrible matchup kind of situation. They got caught in the NBA playoff alchemy machine, and it was just science was against them. It was just a DNA problem. And I think O'Shea is is right. Like you, uh, O'Shea. Yeah, uh, it's a hard name to pronounce. Because you have to put There's the an L. L in. Otherwise, you got to put the L in. I mean, I'm, I went to Irish Catholic for college. I mean, all I know is the O'Shea's. <laughs> but... Uh, the, the, the problem is he's, he's kind of right. Like, which is the true Blazers team? Is it the team that rattled off, what was it, 18 of 19 as the end of the season? And then they went and grabbed the three seed. They yeah. didn't, but, you know. Yeah, they had to beat the Jazz at the end. It was a seizing. I mean, and it was like like a, a very encouraging step in the evolution of this group with this backcourt. And they were really um, vindicated for what they did um, with Nurkic. That was a great acquisition. So who, what's the identity? Who do they intend to be? Are they just a piece away? I don't I, know. Well, that's the thing. Like, and like, who could you go out and get? And like, how do you change the roster? One of the ways you could potentially change the roster, and this is something that KOC tweeted out as well, where he put out a poll. If you were going to trade one between Dame Lillard and CJ McCollum, who would you trade? Who would you rather keep? N- neither. I would just wouldn't do it. That's I'm not, not the process. That's that. not the good. You're, you're, you're just gonna. Silly. I, I actually wouldn't blow it up. I, I and and McCollum brought up a really good point. He said like people will have to write about something. You're going to talk about it something yeah. when you get swept. But he made a good point that like a lot of cities would like to have a team that went to five straight playoffs and they have one of the best backcourts in the NBA. And I don't think I could bring if I were Neil Olshay. I, I don't think I could bring myself to trade. One of them. I, no. Like, they're both really, no. really good. Yeah, I wouldn't do that either. So, I Portland, that sucked, but you had a great season. And, like, yeah, I think you run it back next year and you hope for the best. I agree. Um, Rocks and Wolves. Houston Rockets. Uh, this is, like, the least interesting series to me so far. Why do you say that? I don't know. It just, it's been a weird series. Like, Carl Anthony Towns wasn't good in the first two games. He bounced back in the second game. They they picked up a win. Houston leads 2-1. Cat uh, had 18-16. and 16. It was fine. Jimmy G buckets had 28 points. The Wolves shot 50% from the floor. D'Antoni and Harden were like, you know, we, we didn't have a rhythm. The Rockets are going to win the series. Has this series been I, interesting I, to you? I, yeah, it is interesting to me because I feel like it's an indication of, of the Rockets' ceiling, right? The, the Rockets have real ambition. And a lot of the uh, NBA commentariat is ready for some new blood in, in the NBA Finals. And, and, the sort of, you know, the, the the way before the playoffs started, folks were sort of circling Houston as the most likely replacement for either the Cavs or, or, or the Warriors. And I uh, and, and lots of other folks, you know, wanted to see some games get played before we... we oh, you weren't buying ready. it. The Rockets had an amazing season. Yes, that's right. I was very much buying it. I still very much am buying it. They're going to be fine. They, they, look, we, we have I, a large sample size to know what kind of basketball they play and how fast they play and how well they shoot from three. And that the reason why they play so heavy iso ball is KOC and our friends at the Ringer put together a wonderful video explaining it. They're scoring off their first and second actions. I mean, they're not really moving the ball because they don't have to because they have such a, a fantastic team of shooters and scorers. I, I really and like yet, this team. And they played great defense this year. And yet, that's, those were all wonderful regular season accomplishments. Right. And congratulations on all those accolades. <laughs> to my way of thinking, from the basketball yes. that I've observed, I think this series should be 2-1 T-Wolves because I think the T-Wolves played Plenty well enough to go which, take which the, which game, one. The, uh, game one. Game oh, one. What the, uh, the Derrick Rose game? Forty four points. Look, I want to do a, a real quick on, 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 on do, D Rose. Do a real, real quick. quick. Go ahead. I think he might have gone to Canada. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> let's be. Have you seen his spring? God, his burst is back. He looks great. His legs look awesome. He's getting to the rim. He's fearless. This is amazing. I don't know how, this is how the much. the most amazing take. You should be doing this on NBA how desktop. How much rest has he had? It feels like three years worth of rest. And speaking of the hyperbaric chamber and the centrifuge in Germany and, uh, you know, whatever else, the balm and the, the platelets the, the and cream the, and the Yeah, all of it. He's got, I don't know where the juvenation came from. He is re- there's the rejuvenated and the rejuvenated. I, and I, I'm in. I love this version of D-Rose. Get to the hoop, D-Rose. I think this is hilarious. Right now, somewhere, Jason Concepcion is laughing and, <laughs> and screaming about spice because that's some spice. Let me just tell you something. Like, and, and this is definitive. There are, like, you could check the numbers and all the analytics. If you're saying that Derek Rose is your guy and that's the chance of winning the series, you have already lost. I'm not it's saying It's already that. over. I'm not saying that. And that, by the way... 
And I don't mean to, to Jimmy to Butler is the in. guy, and Carl Anthony Towns is the guy. And if you have to rely on Derrick Rose, you are fucked. This is the problem with the Indiana Pacers. Okay. They have a Lance Stevenson problem. It is precisely that that construct. Now, here's the thing, and I don't mean to, to jump into the Pacers-Cavs series. Which we will. It's still going on. We're going to get to it at the end. Yeah. But until the revelation of Bog Boy, I mean, the, the boy on Bogdovich, 30-pointer out of nothing. Did I get it right? Which Bogdovich is this one? Boy on Bogdanovich. That's right. Yeah. He's a bog boy. I mean, we have our blog boys here at the ringer. That's this right. is my bog boy. God forbid we re-sign him here in Washington. It should have sure would have been nice to have a guy at that 2-3 slot to back up Bradley Beal when Beal had to go out, fouled out. But, you know, we had all that money invested in Jan Mahinmi. So, you know, we, when, we didn't have all that roster flexibility. When I showed up to do the podcast with you tonight at your wonderful K Street Digs, this massive, this how we do it here in D.C. amazing office. You immediately went on a Bogdanovich rant and how the Wizards let him go and how they could have definitely used him when Beal was out. And it still sticks in your crawl a little bit. You're right. All right. So let's talk about Thunder and Jazz. The Jazz are up 2-1. They got another game. Ricky Rubio this time with a triple-double, which is crazy. He had 26 points. He's scoring all over the place and looking very handsome, by the way. Like, uh, I, where are you on his top knot, his samurai top knot look? I, I think it's um, I very, everybody. very, very on brand. I love But here's the thing. Shouts I, to Megan Schuster, by the way, my ringer homie who also likes Ricky, Ricky Rubio. Well, that's, I, I, I don't think we can continue to call him Ricky. So many of our— Rick, ring, I call him Rick. This is it. Our ringer brethren have—, have he's matured. He's so Rick he, Rubio. He is Rick Rubio. We're officially at the point where he deserves a Rick. And he single-handedly changed the the outcome of that game. And I can't in, in, tell you how much I enjoy what the Jazz are doing to the Thunder. I am such a non-believer in the Thunder construct. And this is the, the, the wonderful thing about the NBA. Because last summer, it felt like the executive of the year was done. Just give the award to Sam Presti on August the 15th. He went out and stole P. George, and he added in Mello. And here we are, three games in the first round of the NBA. They're, first of all, OKC underachieves by quite a bit. I ask you this. Ask where me. is Paul George going to play next season? That's a great question. I, I mean, in theory, I liked the three-man triumvirate, right? I was like, oh, this is going to be good. This is going to supercharge the Thunder. They're going to be back in the mix. I don't know if it works, and I don't know if he knows that it, that it works. He was really good in game one. And then since then, the Thunder, I mean, the, this has been the Thunder all year long because you mentioned wow. uh, the Thunder being underachievers while the Jazz have been overachievers this year. But the Thunder all year long, you think, okay, this is the moment where they're going to, at like so many points during the season, you thought this is the moment where they're going to finally take that step forward and be three all-stars on the same team and go crush people. And they take one step forward and they take one step back. They just kind of stumble through to, the whole to, year. To be fair, they are missing their 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 obvious MVP, Andre Roberson, because as soon as you he went Roberson. out, the whole thing, well, I'm just saying, it, he must be the MVP of the team because as soon as he went out, the stretch that they were on of really sort of riding the ship, they were, they were, they've been completely at a loss ever since. They haven't been able to replicate the defensive effort. And I, it looks to me just like effort. I don't know enough about OKC. I, I don't understand it, but it just looks like effort to me. The effort part is a really good point because, uh, Russell Westbrook was guarding Ricky Rubio for a lot of the evening. Guarding? Okay, well, here's the thing. He, Russ, being Russ, started, like, chasing a triple-double. And then when he looked up and found out that Ricky Rubio had a triple-double after the loss, Russ said he made shots too comfortable, but I'm going to shut that shit off next game, though. Guarantee that. That was hilarious to me. That was, like... There's like one of those, well, like, wait till I see him next time. He better cross the street. Like, some guy just kicked your ass, and you're like, I'm going to get out. Oh, he better cross the street when he sees me. Russ, you had an opportunity to go play defense, and you didn't, and you're talking about the next game? This is the essential RWB, the quintessential Brody. This is the essence of the dude who chased the triple-double all season last season. MVP, one of the, he'll go down in the annals as one of the worst MVPs in the history of the National Basketball Association. And he backed it up this season with a highly underwhelming inability to figure out a way to make other guys better, including current All-Stars and former All-Stars. I've, I've never been a Westbrook fan. I felt like he was holding KD back. 
Last season was a was a, a hoops perversity, and I called out all the hoops perverts that voted for him for MVP. I'll call them out hoops again, perverts. and here we are in this perverted moment. And look, we're in the exact same position. If they don't right the ship in this series against the Jazz, they lose this series. They're starting at square zero. It's it's crazy. Like, and also I like Russ afterwards saying that. A lot of shit is going on with my body, but that's everybody right now. And Billy Donovan was asked about that. Like, hey, is Russ hurt? He said that a lot of shit's going on with his body. He goes, yeah, I don't know. He looks fine to me. Like, which made me laugh. So Billy Donovan's like, yeah, he's full of shit. I don't know what you're talking about. Also, we should just give credit to the Jazz because I think a lot of the time we talk about the Thunder because it's an easier storyline. We talk about the three superstars and what they're doing or not doing. And like, we focus on that. The Jazz, as I said, and I wrote about this. Quinn Snyder has done a wonderful job with them. Ricky Rubio has played really well lately. Rudy Gobert has been excellent. Donovan Mitchell, uh, not the rookie of the year, but a very, very good rookie and the rookie that they need because they need scoring. So kudos to the Jazz. They're pretty deep, and it doesn't hurt to have the defensive player of the year. And as far as I'm concerned, every single year that Gobert plays and plays more than, like say, 55 games, he's the defensive player of the year because he just changes so much about what happens on the floor. If you can't shoot inside of the paint, you can't even approach the paint. It just forces such such an awkward kind of uh, thing. And guys find... It's a perfect matchup for the Jazz to go against a team with two players who have a history of lazy mid-range to long-range twos. And that's that's the Thunder in the form of RWB and Mello. Mello, by the way, is going to take somebody's head off with with one of these shots. Have you been watching his misses? Yeah, yeah it's I not mean, they're great. not even bricks. He, he has not he has not looked good. The Thunder have not looked good. The they're decapitated. Thunder better get their shit together. This series is going to be over real quick. All right, the last game of the weekend just wrapped up. House, we watched it in your office. The Cavaliers pulled it out. What a crazy season it's been for the Cavaliers. They beat the Pacers by four. It's now tied 2-2. I don't feel good about either of these teams right now. I think if I had a pick, I'd rather I'd rather put some money on the Pacers. I know the Cavs just won a game, but everything they, they do is like an ugly grinding out, beg and pray and hope to whatever basketball god that you, you observe. And it's working. They're still alive for now, but... Do you feel good about the Cavs? No, that's their identity right now. And I anticipated, in the same way we talked about Washington and the galvanizing effect and smoothing over any kind of differences that might occur over the course of the season, there might be, for the Cavs, a different kind of galvanizing effect, but but one that would make them the kind of contender that we anticipate the Cavs to be for the, the, winning, the winners of the Eastern Conference. And that is the chemistry that is still pretty tenuous with this group because they've been playing together for all of 60 days on the calendar. The interesting thing to me is there is one very important player for the Cavaliers that has so far in this series almost entirely sucked, and that is Kevin Love. Yeah, you were excited to give him heat. Well, he has a shot from the field, in three of the four games... You, did you write this down on a tiny post I just note? need to see this under 40... He's well under 40% in three of the four games. He had a good game three, I believe, and uh, shot, you know, like seven of 13 or so. But, you know, he, he, he uh, has scored nine points, 15 points, 19 points, and tonight, a lowly five Five points. points, yeah. That's just not getting it done. And I don't know if it's a function of the rotation, as if it's a function of... The inexperience of, of Ty Lue and this group, what the what to attribute this to. But the problem with the Cavaliers is Jeff Green is playing 24 freaking minutes. Yeah, well, I mean, they don't have a lot of options, though, right? Because exactly. like, you look at their rotation right now. George Hill was out. They had to start Jose Calderon yeah. at point guard, which immediately I saw that come across my uh, push notifications, and I thought, oh, no, that's really bad news. I mean, Jose is completely and totally washed, but they somehow pulled out this game and they lost game three when they probably should have won game three and then lost game four. Game three, the final shot was a heave by J.R. Smith that didn't go in. And uh, shouts to Haley O'Shaughnessy, our colleague at The Ringer, who tweeted out, J.R. with a chance to win at the buzzer is not a sentence the Cavs wanted to hear. And they, it, like, it didn't go well for them. I mean, like you've got J.R. playing 35 minutes. As you said, Kevin Love's not playing well. They had to get 26 minutes out of Corver, who he actually did okay. But they don't have a lot of offense from anywhere. And then defensively, they haven't had really anybody who was uh, capable of guarding Victor Oladipo 
It's a weird series. It's a slow series. It's yeah. an ugly series. The basketball is bad. It's a, I, I don't mind. This is the thing, and I, I, I will own up. I have been disrespectful towards the Pacers all season long. I just don't believe in them. I'm, I've been very impressed by um, their ability to uh, rejuvenate on the fly. They're very quick reassembly, like, you know, putting themselves in a position to take assets in exchange for Paul George and really see what these a couple young guys have in them. And, like, what a what a great trade it turned out to be for them with the Oladipo. Like, that, that, that's a rarity of, like, nearly 90 cents, maybe more than 90 cents on the dollar yeah. of Paul George for Oladipo when you um, add in the Sabonis component as well and what he represents to the depth and all it's, of it. It's really, it's interesting because they're two completely different approaches. Like, obviously, it's for the Cavs, as we said, like, I don't like their team because they're not getting anything out of anybody but LeBron. Yeah. And it's all LeBron. And if it's not all LeBron, they're screwed, right? But then with the Pacers, it's very much a team. They had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys score in double figures in game four. They lost, but that goes to like how they play, right? They are, aside from Victor Oladipo and anybody on their team could be having a night type of team. I mean, like they very much, like they share the ball, they move it around. Um, and that's exactly the problem. That's what you don't like about them. Well, it, they have Oladipo. Oladipo's we, their main guy, but I'm saying they have a better supporting cast than the Cavs do. So we watched. I, I made you come look over my shoulder. Yes, we watched uh, it on your computer in my screen. Office. Yes, I said, look how many points the Pacers have scored inside the last six minutes. Because this is this not is, many. It's, it's winning time. Yeah, right. They got to 92 points and then Stagnated. basically if, uh, until the three that Oladipo hit. Um, to get them up to 100 points, they'd, they'd only scored three points over the balance of, of most of that six minutes. And, you know, the Cavs converted a few opportunities. That's the difference in the game. And that is a function of the Pacers not having many viable options besides Oladipo when it's nut crunching time. Yeah. Oladipo is their main say, guy. Uh, I'm going to get Lance or I'm going to get yeah. Bogdanovich or I'm going to get, you know, where's Miles Turner? He's not even getting touches inside the six minutes. Miles Turner had a good game, though, but they lost. You bring, you bring up a good point. But like with the Cavs, I just wonder, even if they can get out of this series, I wonder how sustainable this is because you see so many games uh, in this four game uh series so far where LeBron looks completely exhausted because he has to do so much all the time. I mean, he played 46 minutes in game four. Like, he's like out there for everybody. I mean, he's basically, he's doing the halftime show. He's uh, refereeing the game. He's trying, like, sweating his ass off. I mean, he's got to be absolutely wiped by now. I, if they get out of this, I wonder, I wonder if that's going to take a toll. Well, here's the thing with this chemistry experiment that they're pursuing. What if George Hill and Rodney Hood and Kevin Love, those are the scoring, their primary scoring options. And then the secondary scoring options in the form of Corver and maybe a little Clarkson, you know, maybe a taste of Clarkson. You can't keep giving Jeff Green 24 minutes. You're going to just, but I'm just as, as a what if, those, those are the guys that you need. Like, where is Rodney Hood? You yeah. need, you need, you made this move 17 to yep. 24 points a night from him. You know that he has the capacity to do that. The problem for, for Rodney is uh, this trade is not looking good for him and his agent in terms no. of what, what future they, they might have in mind because this is the very best opportunity for him to be in the national spotlight. And either you're up to it and you elevate and you're on the national stage and you're scoring at a rate because he's a scorer. Rodney Hood is a scorer. He's a stone-cold scorer. But if we ain't seeing it, we ain't seeing it, Wanga. We, we did not see it. it. It did not look good. What did look good, and I have to ask you about this real quick before we wrap it up. They did matching suits, the Cavs did, oh, in wonderful. games three and four. I love a nicely tailored oh. suit. What did you think of that? Because it didn't work out in game three. And then game four, they went like more the Reservoir Dogs classic black, white, black. I love it all. There's not, no piece of it that I, I can know, take did, issue with. Did, I think it's very lovely. Obviously, they have a tailor. So who's the tailor? When did they get the measurements? How did all this happen? My theory would be LeBron. Everything with this team begins and ends with yeah. LeBron. And yes, I think he, 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 this is an inspiration that he felt and he brought it and he's trying to, look, this is, a, I, we've been talking about a chemistry experiment. Yeah. So you go to some of these other ways to, to build that camaraderie 
for guys he doesn't really know that well, right? He doesn't hasn't spend any time with these dudes. Hasn't been to war with any of these guys. Let's make everybody look good because if you, as you know, one oh, good. Oh, do it. Do it. <laughs> oh, I can't. Look th- good. I know. Feel it good. Is, feel good. Better, play it is good. to look good. Yeah. Than it is to feel good. Yeah, it's excellent. Yeah. Uh, this was fun. We've got a lot more basketball coming up for you this week on The Ringer. Tomorrow, you're going to get Verno and KOC. You've got group chat on Thursdays. You've got draft class on Fridays. Of course, Bill Simmons is going to talk about basketball all the time. It's playoff season. He's very excited about it. Uh, I want to thank Isaac Lee for producing this. I want to thank my man, Joe House, yeah, yeah, yeah. for doing this in his office very late on a Sunday night in Washington, D.C. after his almost bullets. Well, almost bullets? We call them the almost bullets, right? I do it. You I mean, call them the almost bullets. You can call but them the they won. They, they won. won. We got a They dub. won. It's a two. Was it going to be a game six here it's in D.C.? It's tied at two. It's very exciting stuff. But we're going to have all kinds of basketball for you throughout the playoffs. I will be back next week on the Heat Check Podcast from Points Unknown. I was in Philly. Now I'm in D.C. Who knows? I might be in L.A. Nobody knows where I'm going to be, but I will be back on this program. Thanks for listening, everybody. Joe House, thank you. It is better to look good than it is to feel good. See ya. See ya.